So maybe a first question would be, give us a state of just your tribe. Madison has just been designated in December, Truax Field, as the home of F-35A. Doctor, can you start? Give us an overview. State Senator Devin Lemahue, a Republican of Oostburg, represents the 9th Senate District, and he recently, recently made big news in the Capitol. His 21 Republican, the 21 Republican senators who will control the Senate in the 2021-22 session elected a majority leader. That's even more impressive because he's serving his second term in the Senate and he's only in his 40s. So at the end of a very newsworthy 2020 and the start of what could be an equally newsworthy 2021, Senator, thanks so much for sitting down with, uh, with uh, Wisconsin Eye. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the invite. It's great to uh, be part of this interview. Thank you. Most Wisconsin residents don't know you. Give a short update and bio. You're going to be a part of their lives. You're going <laughs> to be, be a big part of the next state budget. So give a short bio, please. Sure. So I, uh, you already mentioned my, gave away my age at 48. Um, grew up in Sheboygan County, uh, went through uh, Oostburg Christian School, Sheboygan County Christian High School. Went away to Dort College um, in Sioux Center, Iowa, small liberal arts college uh, where I played soccer and tennis there. Um, then I lived out in South Dakota for a couple years, um, in Omaha, Nebraska for a couple years before moving back to take over my father's business. So I uh, moved back to the place where I grew up. It was great to move back to Wisconsin here. Um, served nine years um, on the Sheboygan County Board, sort of giving me the flavor of politics. Uh, my father was in the assembly for yes. 12 years, so obviously uh, maybe the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree with me be sitting here today, but uh, so that's sort of my cliff note background. Well, uh, your father, Dan, was elected in 2002, served six terms. Um, were you interested in the Capitol and running for the assembly or Senate? Um, did, did his service get you more interested? You know, I've always had an interest in politics. I remember um, back in 1980, when I was eight years old, uh, my dad was heavily involved in trying to get Ronald Reagan elected president. And I remember sitting, you know, watching a black and white TV back then, watching the election results pour in that night. And uh, I think I was probably hooked from that moment on that maybe there might be, a, you know, when you're when you're eight years old, you wanted to be president. Now I'm not sure if I want to be president. <laughs> I don't know who would want to be president, but uh, but yeah, definitely had an interest in politics. Find it very fascinating. Um, it, I mean, it it involves so much of our lives, so it, I think it's very important. Um, which is why I really enjoyed serving um, nine years on the county board because you know county government's so vital for providing local services and things like that. How about three icebreaker questions? The first job that you had. Paper route, okay. Sheboygan Press. First car that you owned? Oh, an old Cutlass Supreme. Okay. <laughs> and um, hobbies? Uh, so I enjoy golf, but uh, I'm also a triathlete. I've done seven Ironman triathlons. Um, so that, that sort of keeps me busy in my free time, you know, training for three different sports. Are you now training for any, or do you expect to be too busy since you're majority Well, um, I was signed up for two of them last year, which were canceled because of the pandemic. So they, my, my registrations rolled over into this year. So 
whether I'm ready or not to spend that time training, I will be training to hopefully complete two of them this year. Seven triathlons. That's quite an achievement. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, when you, you were elected to the Senate in 2014, re-elected in 18, but you kind of had to wage a mini campaign with your 21 Republican senators to get elected majority leader. I'm curious, when you called on them, why did you say, I, would, uh, I need your vote because? So, um, I think it's, you know, we, we have a very uh, unique and maybe more leaning conservative caucus. And, you know, I just made the case to them, I'm, I'm a single guy. Um, I have a lot of uh, free time on my hand. I can be down here all the time. I'm in a safer district, so I can maybe take some of those bullets that sometimes a leader needs to take and, and make some of those statements that need to be made. Um, so with the amount of, I've, have a very uh, good staff that has helped out inside and outside the building. You know, I've, and I think I've been a, a team player, um, sort of pushing the conservative agenda, but also you know trying to build consensus in our caucus. So, I think I think some of them saw that and had some key members of our caucus helping me out, and uh, here I am. What does being a conservative, and at the end of 2020, mean to you? Define that. You know, um, state government is still so massive, um, and I, only being around here for, for six years, still am trying to get a grasp of all the different um, branches and tentacles of, of state government. So trying to, you know, control the overreaching regulation of state government, you know, trying to hold the line on spending to keep it to at least at best inflationary increases in, in government appropriations, um, trying to, to rein in that, that all-inclusive government um, and protecting you know, people's individual rights and business rights and not having you know, government dictate to businesses and individuals what they need to do. A quick follow-up. What do you consider the core responsibilities and duties of, of state government, sir? Right. So the I think there's, I mean, there's a lot of core responsibilities, but I think the primary responsibilities is, you know, providing infrastructure uh, for the state of Wisconsin, providing a quality education, making sure that that all parents have an opportunity to find the education that's right for their children. I mean, I'm, obviously, those are the two most important ones right away. And then providing that, that safety net, um, whether it be health or financially, for the unfortunate people who have lost their job or can't find a job or who, who need that help, who are dependent, that small uh, minority of the population, to make sure that that safety net is in place. What did you learn from uh, watching Senator Fitzgerald for six years, Senator? You know, I, I really enjoyed watching um, Senator Fitzgerald um, be the leader of our caucus. It was the, the, I'll tell you a funny story. So my first budget that I went through <clears throat> was the one where the, Bucks, the new Bucks Arena was in the budget. And uh, it, it was sort of contentious at times and trying to figure out how we were going to get the 17 votes in the Senate and, and pass it through the assembly, even though we had you know, two houses and a governor, that was sort of a contentious issue. And uh, you know, after we finally you know, got, pulled the arena out of the budget and passed both of them, I was talking to Senator Fitzgerald and I'm like, you know, I think I found a job in politics that I never really want. And he's like, what's that? I'm like, yours. <laughs> well, five and a half years later, four years, Five years later, here I am. So, 
apparently, uh, apparently my mindset has switched a little bit. But no, he was, I mean, he did a great job of not getting out in front of, of the caucus, which I really appreciated, sort of letting you know us work through the issues, obviously guiding behind the scenes, trying to get you know a budget done, get good things accomplished. But you know we have a lot of different personalities in our caucus, which is great. Um, a lot of different areas where where people are coming from, different sectors of, of industry and things like that. Um, so so I think he did a great job of you know, not getting out there in front and sort of letting us find our footing and, and, and building towards that consensus. The, um, the Capitol Press Corps always asked majority leaders lots of yes or no questions. Senator Fitzgerald was a master at saying, I, I can't answer that because I haven't met with my caucus yet. Right. Is that kind of going to be your management and leadership style? You know, in some of my interviews already, I've caught myself mimicking that and, and saying that because truly, you know, me being brand new in this position, you know, I'm not sure where, where all the members are on, on many different issues. And every time I sort of say, well, I, I'm not sure where the caucus is at, I sort of have a little smile on my face because I'm just thinking of, of Senator Fitzgerald saying that. But, but it's true. I mean, you know, I'm here to, to lead the caucus, but I'm also here to serve the caucus. So I think it's like, like I said, it was great learning from him because he did a good job of not pushing his own agenda, but sort of figuring out where, where all the members are at and building that consensus. Your party picked up two seats in the November 3 election. Do you think your caucus is more conservative going into the next session than the last session, sir? You know, I think it is. I think, I think we did pick up some, some strong conservative members, um, both that came up from the assembly and uh, also that the new, newly elected um, caucus members, I think, are going are to be fairly conservative. Um, so, I, I mean, I think it's a great thing to be advocating for conservative, conservative policies in this state. Well, as a, as a young legislative leader, of course, there's capital speculation. Will you be able to stand up to the veteran House Speaker, Robin Voss? Will you be able to hold your own? Um, you've heard that. Um, how do, you, how do you respond to that speculation? You know, I, I don't think I'd put it that way, that it's standing up to, to the speaker. Obviously, I'll be advocating for the positions of our caucus and, and during the budget process and on different bills, it may be uh, advocating from a little more conservative standpoint. Um, but, you know, we need to, I need to make sure that I'm speaking for our caucus and, and negotiating on behalf of our caucus. Uh, but ultimately, you know, we need to work with the assembly and and also with the governor to make sure we, we pass. Obviously, the most important thing we do every two years is pass a budget right. so that we can get that done by the end of June right. and move it, on with session. Any major issue that you've worked with Speaker Voss on in the past session and a half that you've been here? Um, I don't know if I've worked directly with him. Um, you know, I was... The RAINS Act was my bill, which I worked on for my first, it took me two sessions to get it done, yeah. and obviously worked with the speaker's um, office on that. When I was elections chair, my staff was working um, on sort of the campaign finance reform bill, being the elections chair and the GAB reform bill. Um, so definitely worked with his office on, on different issues in the past. Well, um, you and 14 of your fellow Senate Republicans just sent a letter to the governor your concerns about the November 3 election. But then in a later interview, you said um, one of the changes that should be made is absentee ballots should be counted before election day, correct? 
That is, a, yes. Why? So I think there's two things that are very important in elections. First, to have accurate elections where eligible people are allowed to vote, but where there isn't fraud going on in an election. That's ultimately the most important thing that needs to be done in an election. But probably almost secondarily to that is the electorate having confidence in our elections. And um, right now, it's unfortunate after a close election that there's a, a big segment of the population that has absolutely no confidence in, in our election system right now, which is really unfortunate because we need to have confidence in our election system. So having Dane County and Milwaukee, or especially Milwaukee County, also in, um, because it takes them all day to count their absentee ballots because that's a trend that we're moving towards, especially with COVID, that more people are voting absentee. So it right. takes them that long to load in all their absentee ballots. So at three in the morning when there's also an extra 100,000 votes and if they're coming out of Milwaukee County, most of them are gonna be Democrat votes. Um, so to have a safe and secure system where, you know, I actually had a bill last session uh, that I worked on with, you know, Senator Miller, Dane County clerk Scott McDonald on the uh, McDonald on the bill um, and some Republican County clerks you know a bill like that which allows you know clerks to start loading in those absentee ballots the day before an election or prior to an election as long as that information doesn't get out into public that way you know when the polls close and you know almost there's at least 40 other states that do something similar to make sure that those results are, are reported on time What's your position now that um, we should accept the fact that uh, President-elect Biden won and go forward to clarify some of these issues in our state uh, laws here governing uh, elections? Yeah, I think we definitely, I think that'll be one of the first um, or things early on in the session that the elections committee needs to work on is clarifying some of these laws. Unfortunately, well, I worked on it quite a few of these laws back as the elections as chair, the election chair yes. and, I, and I thought a lot of them were pretty clear. Unfortunately, the Elections Commission um, gave out some guidance, which I think is in conflict um, with state law, so we need to work on, on reining that in. I don't know if some of these reforms will be signed into law, but we definitely need to start working on them to make sure that, that we do have um, fair and, and accurate elections. Uh, are you most concerned about the two issues that, that, that were controversial, the, 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 the ability of voters to self-define as uh, not being able to get to the polls? And what about the guidance that there was some changing of the envelopes around ballots by local election officials? Are those the chief among your concerns, sir? Yeah, I think the indefinitely confined, there was some... Um some of the guidance about voting in nursing homes where you didn't have to have election officials there or have witnesses there um, is sort of concerning because that's maybe, and I mean, I obviously I have no idea what went on in those situations because there's only one person in that room with that individual who may be vulnerable at this stage of their life, may not know what's going on, so, which is why the laws are in the way it is, regardless of whether we're in a pandemic, that we need to protect and make sure that each individual citizen isn't being you know, pressured or convinced to vote a certain way. And we don't know if that happened, but there's definitely the ability that that capability that that could have happened. Do you believe that President-elect uh, President Biden did carry Wisconsin though, or do you have concerns that you're worried about that? 
I mean, 20,000 votes is, is a big margin. Um, you know, it's gone, the, the process has been completed, it's gone through the state court, and uh, I mean, it is what it is. Okay, thank you very much. The, the whole specter of COVID, um, the bill, the, co the next COVID Relief Act from Congress that was just passed and is awaiting President Trump's signature, doesn't include any money for state or local governments. Um, are you concerned that that's going to put a pretty costly lien on the next state budget, Senator? You know, it, it, I haven't had a chance to thoroughly dig into that bill yet since it just came out yesterday, and it's, it's a very, very large bill. Um, there is money in there for testing, for vaccine distribution, and things like that. Um, so, you know, we're going to need to get a better um, grip on, on how that's going to be distributed and spent. Um, you, you represent the Ninth Senate District. What have you heard of your constituents, the effect of COVID on the Ninth Senate District, sir? You know, early on, obviously, it, it, it had a, with, with the shutdown of the state, had a huge um, check on, on the economy um, with, you know, sectors of businesses not being able to operate. Um, fortunately, it's, it's turned around pretty quick, especially in my area of the state, and there's even businesses looking to hire, but it, I mean, there's still a huge, there's certain sectors that are still really struggling, especially the, you know, the hospitality area, restaurants, um, bars, hotels, things like that are still really struggling. And until we get a vaccine in place um, and, you know, and people feel comfortable again, um, going to some of those establishments, it's still going to be a struggle for them. You know, um, I think we've, uh, yeah, so it's, it's been a real challenge for people. I think in my part of the state, most of the school districts were involved in in-person learning through most, most of this school year, which is great because, you know, we've heard concerns from all over the state where parents who aren't trained to, to teach their kids are also forced into some sort of virtual learning and their kids are falling behind and we're going to see the results of that. It's not, and it's not just academic, you know, not being out, um, getting that interaction with other kids and things like that. So I think it, it's important that we, we make sure that schools are being in person going forward. But uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a, a, a tough year. The, um how would you characterize negotiations between Governor Evers, yourself, and Speaker Voss on the next COVID bill, the, the, the next state COVID bill? So we've, we've had five or six calls now, I think, um, with the three of us on, on the line, and this, both the Speaker and, and the Governor were trying to get a bill done in, in December. And uh, I was not, I still am not the majority leader. I'm the majority leader elect, so I didn't have the ability to call special session, but we made the, uh, the option open that, you know, through the finance committee, through a 1310 motion, we could make sure that funding continued after the end of the year if that need was, uh, was there, if the federal CARES, when, when the Federal CARES Act money ran out or they couldn't spend it anymore. So we, we made sure that option was available. And, uh, you know, we've been, we've been working together. Um, I, th I thought we were making good progress, but unfortunately um, yesterday the, the governor sort of re released what he called a compromise bill, which I don't think it is a compromise bill. Um, you know, there are some issues in there that are good, but, uh, but I'm willing to continue to work with him and, and the speaker, the governor and the speaker to see if we can come to a solution and find something to make sure 
our state can continue to nimbly and ably um, handle the pandemic as it moves forward. About two weeks ago at one of his DHS briefings, uh, Governor Evers said that a December session was blocked by outgoing Senate Majority Leader Fitzgerald. Is that a fair characterization? I don't know if I'd say blocked. I mean, it, it, it was sort of an awkward time because we have you know, five new members coming in, which means we have, you know, senators who are, haven't ran again and who had no desire to come in, and a, an outgoing Senate majority leader who's spending at least parts of almost every week in, in D.C. So for him trying to figure out where our caucus is at with me not officially being the majority leader, um, working with senators who may not have voted for me for, as being majority leader because, well, they didn't vote because they weren't part of the process going, voting, electing the new majority leader. I mean, it was just, it was just a tough time. So we, we were committed to make sure that the funding would continue and, and going forward we'd work on a compromise. And I think, and I think it was prudent to wait because we had a good insight that the, we we're hopeful that the federal government was going to pass, you know, bill five or phase five or whatever they call it. So until we knew what was actually in that bill, a lot of my colleagues thought it was premature to work out a bill in the state of Wisconsin to see how to address this. Now that we know that there won't be any federal aid for state or local governments, um, that kind of defines the parameters of the state response. Do you want a COVID response bill passed by both the Assembly and the Senate in January, sir? I think, I think, I don't know if there's quite the urgency, but I, I hope we can get there in January. I think there's some important things that we can accomplish and, ho and hopefully we can get there in January. When I was in the Capitol last week, there was plexiglass in the Senate chamber. Now it's gone. Uh, what, what's the plan for the Senate to meet virtually or hopefully in session? And have you gotten any word on when legislators might get their own shots? <laughs> I do not know when legislators might get their own shots. Okay. I think we should probably work on the, the healthcare industry and those most vulnerable before, before we get our own vaccines, personally. But uh, so for Inauguration Day, we, we're having everybody's taking their oath of office separately with their families in different time segments. So that way they can you know, celebrate together on the, on the floor of the Senate. And then we're going to be spread out for, for when we go into session on, on that day. So we have a plan, a seating chart where everybody's spread out. Um, there, we're providing a virtual option if someone doesn't feel comfortable coming in or if, or if they do have symptoms and, and need to stay away. Um, so it's important to have that option. But, uh, you know, I think as long as we do it responsibly and, and you know, follow CDC guidelines, we can have in-person floor sessions. You've had two years to watch <clears throat> Governor Evers in his first two years as the chief executive. What are your thoughts on what he's done well and maybe not so well? You know, I, I think, um, I think he, I'm happy that he signed our budget <laughs> two years ago, a budget that I worked on on the Finance Committee. You know, I think we took, obviously, he, he wanted to spend more in his budget and had uh, some policy um, things in his budget that we pulled out of the budget. But, uh, you know, I think, I think we did a good job on the Finance Committee, you know, including some of, some of his um, proposals into our budget. So it was great that... Uh, despite every Democrat legislator voting against the budget, that he was able to find a way to sign it with, you know, a minimum amount of vetoes. So I, I'm hopeful, and you know, I can only speak personally from the last 
six, seven weeks now as the majority leader elect. Um, he, you know, he's, he's called me on weekends. You know, we've had some, some decent conversations. I'm a little disappointed that with his response yesterday saying this is our compromise when it's not a compromise. Um, but you know, I'll continue to try work with him in areas that we can work together. Hopefully we can you know, find a budget that he can sign again. Senate President-elect Kappinger has a bill, um, and so does Representative Bourne. It says if a organization of business has adopted COVID protocols, they could not be sued over COVID. Does that have to be a part of any bill passed by the Senate, Senator? Yeah, I think that's very important. To, we've been hearing from different industry groups, um, even nonprofits. I think WASB, uh, the Association of School Boards, is in support of that bill or that those type of provisions. So I, th I think it's important to provide that certainty. So I think if we do pass a bill that goes through the Assembly and the Senate, that will be a part of that bill. As a former member of finance, what's your biggest concern uh, about the 21, 23 state budget, sir? Um, our revenue. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be a challenge. Um, right now, I think the just the budget requests from the agencies, um, we're going to have a, a billion dollar shortfall, um, which we can't do. Um, that, that we cannot have that. And now, you know, with different sectors of businesses struggling, now is not the time. And families struggling, obviously. It's been a tough year for families as well. Uh, now, I don't think it's a time to raise taxes. So, you know, finding that making sure we do invest in, as I mentioned, as we talked about earlier, those core priorities of state government to make sure that those are funded um, with maybe limited revenue. Fortunately, our revenue is doing better than we projected, yeah. but, but it's still, it still is, I mean, we still took a hit and there's still gonna be challenges going forward. I'm glad that you've been speaking with the governor, but let me ask this question. If he asked your advice, he's now preparing the 21-23 budget that he'll introduce in February. If he asked your advice on the budget, what counsel would you give him overall? Well, I would suggest that he not put policy in the budget because that's not, not gonna last. Um, hopefully he doesn't include a tax increase and uh, you know, try not create a structural deficit going forward. So and I, I know maybe some of my colleagues have more of a concern in areas of bonding, but you know, interest rates are really low right now. So you know, if, if, if we need some bonding for some important infrastructure type projects. Uh, I mean, you're not gonna find money a whole lot cheaper to borrow than now. Um, your caucus has traditionally, well, and so has the Assembly Republican Caucus been against the expansion of Medicaid. Um, has the COVID, the pandemic, increasing medical costs, has that softened any opposition to the expansion of Medicaid by you or your caucus, sir? Is this where I go to my Senator Fitzgerald answer that I don't, I, I'm not sure where the caucus is at on that. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm really not. We haven't, you know, I haven't talked to many of them about that, but I would assume there would still be a hesitancy to have that segment of our, of our budget reliant on the federal government that keeps adding and adding to their, their debt. And what if he includes a recommendation that his, his Fair Maps Commission draw the next congressional legislative boundaries and forward it to the legislature? Is that also a non-starter? The congressional maps? And, and, and legislative maps. Oh, oh. <laughs> Both. Well, you know, according to state statute, I mean, he can forward his maps to us. We can, or his commission can forward their maps to us. We can look at them. But, you know, according to the state constitution, it's the job of the legislature to pass the maps. 
and uh, we're going to make sure we pass fair maps, and uh, and we'll see we'll see what he does with the bill. Well, I do want to respect your time. What um, what have you learned in the last five or six weeks since being elected majority leader? How many more friends you have, or, or what? <laughs> I've learned that uh, it's, it was a little more work, or maybe a lot more work than I expected. Um, but you know, it's you know six weeks in, or however long it's been, you know, it's it's been a huge time commitment. But uh, I've I've been enjoying it. I've met a lot of great people so far, and look forward to you know I'd get to hire a great team, and uh, and I'm looking forward to the the challenges going forward. Has Senator Fitzgerald given you any advice? Oh yeah, we've we've sat down a couple times. Um, every once in a while, I'll text him and he'll text me back, laughing at me. But uh, <laughs> but I enjoy that relationship with him. But no, he's. I mean, he. Has, has, we we we've obviously become good friends, and he'll. I'll, I'm sure he'll return my phone call if I ever need some advice. Have his text said, Devin, be careful what you ask for because you just got it. He hasn't said he, that. He's has not he? said that yet. <laughs> okay, um, a year from now. Um, we're having the same interview, and you will have been an effective majority leader if, finish that sentence. If we uh, get a budget passed, and we, we alluded to it, but get, get maps passed, and uh, a year from now, you said? Yep. And then I'm still sitting in this office. <laughs> <laughs> what an admirable goal. <laughs> Senator, thanks very much. Congratulations on your leadership position, and Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you and a Happy New Year to you and everybody who's watching this video. And thank you for introducing yourself to, to Wisconsin. Appreciate it. On Wisconsin Eye. Thank you. Thank you, sir. This program is a production of Wisconsin Eye, an independent, nonpartisan, nonprofit media network with a mission to inform, educate, and engage the citizens of Wisconsin. Wisconsin Eye is the nation's first and only independently funded state civics broadcast network, providing gavel-to-gavel -gavel access to government proceedings and events at the state capitol.